Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and my guest today is Monty Farber. Monty was born in Brooklyn, New York, and he studied comparative religion before he became interested in astrology in 1974, which just happened to coincide when he met his future wife, Amy. Uh, Amy is, uh, Amy Zerner is his artistic collaborator as well as his life partner, and at the time she was studying astrology. His focus shifted to making astrology understood and accessible to a broad audience, and now he is the world's foremost creator of interactive personal guidance systems, including 40 books, divination systems, DVDs, and meditation CDs. They've been published around the world in 14 languages by major publishing houses. Monty even has his own shelves in every Barnes & Noble store, and his best-selling titles include Astrology Gems, The Tarot Discovery Kit, Karma Cards, The Truth Fairy Pendulum, and The Healing Deck. Today, we're going to discuss his latest book, Quantum Affirmations, The New Energy Science of Conscious Manifestation. Monty Farber, welcome. Thank you, Miriam. I I, I sound so fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I totally anticipate that you will be fascinating. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) I think so. I I think it can be done. (laughs) Okay. Now, uh, from my introduction and and, uh, the And it was a beautiful one. Oh, thank you. From the information you sent me, I understand that you took up astrology in pursuit of Amy. I did. Now, how did that reconcile with your studies of comparative religion? Well, I I was studying Amy and she was studying astrology, so I I learned about astrology and the tarot. Um, I've always had an open mind because, believe it or not, here I am, a psychic astrology tarot reader, but I've always thought of myself as a scientist. I went to a high school in Brooklyn called Brooklyn Technical High School. And I've always kept an open mind, and I've always remembered uh, Mr. Huxley's expression, which is, I'm too much a skeptic not to believe that anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you and your wife have created such an interesting life for yourselves. Tell us about what you both do. Well, we we have. Actually, it's really wonderful. We call our brand, because I guess you have to have a brand now, though I always smell cattle whenever I uh, <laughs> say that. Singed cattle. Uh, singed cattle that are not very happy to see you. <laughs> uh, um, uh, we Our brand is called The Enchanted World, and it started with The Enchanted Tarot. My first book in 1988 was called Karma Cards, which is still in print. And you can still get it. It's on our shelves, and it's from Sterling now. It used to be with Penguin. And that came out back in the day when President Reagan was announced to have been influenced by astrologers. So it did very well. It had a very good, <laughs> very good launch. It did. And so, um, and then the second project we did was called The Enchanted Tarot. And that was the first time Amy and I really worked together on a project. I wrote the book and she did the art, 78 Tapestries, in her National Endowment for the Arts award-winning style. And then... Um, we've taken it from there. Uh, so we have created all these different divination systems as we have explored them. They always say you should write what you want to learn about. So that's what we've done as well as what we know. Mm-hmm. And so we have this great, great life. Uh, we live in East Hampton where Amy grew up. 
which is out on the end of Long Island. It's a very nice place. Everyone might know about the Hamptons, which is uh, supposedly a 1% kind of uh, enclave, which it is, but we're in the 99% area of, of, of the Hamptons. We're the people who, who still work for a living, and we do. And we just have a great time. Amy does clothing now that sells at Bergdorf Goodman and Neiman Marcus, and she's doing jewelry. And you can see her stuff on amyzerner.com, actually, or and my stuff on montyfarber.com. We make it easy. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what we do. How, how do you think astrology is able to predict future probabilities? Or, or that, really anything is able to predict the future? That is a very interesting question and probably one of the most important questions there are. The, um, quantum Affirmations, which is the book we're talking about now, is based on quantum physics, which I've always been interested in because quantum physicists sound, well, they make me sound like a Swiss banker. They are so far out. Um, they talk about probable futures. So I think what you do uh, when you predict the future is you tune in to the probable future that's most likely from this time, whether you're reading a person or whether you're reading the stars, or if you're like a, a Native American, they used to go out of their teepee or wherever they were sleeping and they'd look at the clouds and the birds and the the, the leaves and they, they would sort of know things. I think we are all plugged into the morphic field. Uh, I think the Rupert Sheldrake calls it the morphic field, or if you want to call it the quantum field. And like a radio, if you tune yourself and you set your intention to know about the future, it will be given to you. Well, how did you go about tuning yourself, Monty? That's, you have very good questions. <laughs> um, I, I studied astrology and I had a very good time with it. I try and enjoy things. I'm, I'm like the clowns at the rodeo. They're good riders, but they're having fun. And so... I would go to parties out here in the Hamptons. It's Hamptons party tested, uh, my astrology. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my focus group were people who could really focus and usually in a, in a way that they're criticizing you. So I would tell, I've read for incredible people, um, and I don't mean just incredibly famous or wealthy. I mean just incredibly wonderful people out here. And I found out the ways that we were similar, the ways that we were different, and I would, they said to me, why don't you create something so that we can learn astrology, the ones that were interested? And I said, okay, I will. And that's how I did Karma Cards. I, I designed it as an astrology flashcard game that tells the future. And it rewired my brain because I broke down the planets, the signs, and the houses into sentence fragments. And I did this before I owned a computer because this was 1986. Mm-hmm. I was still working in the film business then. And I did it on flashcards. Uh, and it just rewired my brain to the point where I was then able to become a very good tarot and astrology reader. And eventually, unfortunately, what precipitated being psychic was the passing of Amy's mother in 1996. That's how it all started. Well, I'm not going to let you leave it at that. <laughs> um, <laughs> how, how did that precipitate being psychic and what was your experience? 
Well, I, I, uh, some of my clients laugh when I say this, but I'm a classically trained psychic, if there is such a thing, in the way of the old mystery schools where I first I learned astrology, I, I have learned um, the tarot, I've, I've done books about the goddess, games that I've invented that are based on the games. I'm always trying to make things easy and accessible for people because everyone's so busy now and they only want something that's fun and fast. So that's what we try and do. And that's why we have our own shelves at Barnes & Noble because we make things that are fun, fast, and they, and they sell. And, and commercial, which is not a dirty word to us. So I was doing things like finding Bulgari watches and show dogs and you know missing all kinds of things. And I realized, you know, this is really not from astrology or the tarot. I have... The, the writing of the books, every time I'd write a different book, whether it's Goddess Guide Me or The Psychic Circle, or you know, I would say, well, this book is going to help you improve your intuition. And it's true, not only using it, but writing it really improved my intuition. And when Amy's mom passed away in 1996, we all used to work together. Uh, actually, the Enchanted Tarot, I think, is dedicated to her um, as a you know, our, our subsequent life. I missed her so much and Amy missed her so much that I tried to contact her. I had never really thought of myself as a psychic, but I was able to contact her and I got all kinds of useful information. And then I tried it a little bit with friends. And when I realized that I was actually doing this because I said, I'm a scientist, I, I hold it at arm's length even today. Um, I decided, well, you know, I can really do this. I can help people. And that's really what it's all about. You, you said an interesting phrase. You said, I rewired my brain. Yes. And I get the sense that a major part of opening up to psychic abilities is actually starting to trust yourself, to trust that this is a real phenomenon and not just your imagination. You're 100% correct. Fear is the destroyer. Um, the biggest part of being psychic is trusting that it's going to come to you. And the second part is being brave enough to tell the person what they've asked, which is why it's always a good idea if you're a psychic to say, do you really want to know? Because sometimes the information is not what they, you might think they want to hear. Usually it is what they want to hear, but you might not think it's what they want to hear. Because people usually know what you're going to tell them. They uh, are looking for confirmation. Because I think everyone is a bit psychic. You know, they're always talking about how we only use a very small portion of our brain. Well, how can you use that other part if you don't think it exists? Mm -hmm. Sure. I understand that you consult for business executives. How do they use your services? Um, back in the go-go days of mergers and acquisitions, they would end up with two of things. They'd have two treasurers. They'd have two of this and two of that. They'd want to know who to keep and who to let go. And they wouldn't necessarily just slavishly go by what I said, but I would be part of their mix. I would describe the two people, and if I described them accurately, the way they looked, the way they sounded, the way they worked, then I would go on and say what I thought in terms of how they would fit with the person I was reading for, because I usually read for the bosses, and, and they want to work with people they like, basically, or that they can work with. And that was the way it was then. Now I do a lot of uh, investment people, um, advising them on investments. I read for, the, I, I did videos that were, and still are posted on thestreet.com, which is uh, Jim Cramer's website. And that was funny because I was the only psychic they had. I don't even know if he knew I was on there. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but, but they came to interview me and Amy as a very unusual business. They were doing a series on unusual businesses. And then as a joke, they asked me six, uh, seven questions. And this was when um, President Obama was running against Hillary Clinton. And Yahoo might buy, uh, was, might be bought by Microsoft. And I, I was seven, uh, six out of seven. So, so I, I said yes. Uh, President, uh, uh, Mr. Obama's senator at the time was going to beat Hillary, and they thought that was hilariously funny. And then they also thought that I told them Microsoft was not going to buy Yahoo. Uh, I was only wrong about I thought that uh, Romney would be the president, but I might have been off by four years. So I, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of psychics say that uh, they have great difficulty with timing; that they yeah. can get the the quality and uh, nature of events, but not necessarily the timing. Right, exactly. Now, so, yeah, keep going. No, no, I, I, w- I was just going to say that, that I love your questions. They, they bring back memories. <laughs> <laughs> past life memories? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It seems like a past life. I, I mean, when I, think that, when I wake up in the morning and I know that I'm psychic and I can ask, answer questions about the future and... and remote view things and and tell things about somebody that i don't know i think it sounds crazy but i i know i do it i'd be crazy to deny it at this point but it's a very very different time you you know we've been watching the show life on mars reruns of the show life on mars where someone is, is catapulted back to 1973 which is the year before amy and i met and it's very similar you know you remember this time it's like the time before cell phones oh my god yeah I have to tell you that I know some people who actually claim to have done that, but that's another story. Cool. Um, <laughs> Remember, I'm too much a skeptic not to believe anything's possible. Um, oh, first of all, I want to tell our listeners that we are speaking with Monty Farber about his book, Quantum Affirmations, The New Energy Science of Conscious Manifestation, and we will actually get to that book in a moment. <laughs> I want to know why you think divination tools work for ordinary people who may or may not believe in them. Well, because the the more field, the quantum field works, it's science. It it doesn't work because of luck. Um, And what we try and do is to put the words there. Like we put words on the cards. We don't just, uh, the tarot does have just pictures, but we, we write a book that comes with the cards so that you can be shown that it works um, by the answers that you get. Well, we all we ask people, uh, the hardest thing with our, our projects is usually taking the shrink wrap off of them and then everything's easier from, from, from that point. The shrink wrap is hard sometimes. Yeah, but I think once there you... must be a special place in hell for the person who invented the clamshell. Oh my God. Well, we, we haven't done clamshells. We're trying to stay away from the clamshells because of that. Oh my God. I mean, how do you open those things? <laughs> we have to, but but uh, once you start Doing it, you plug in. It's like when you put your toe in the ocean, you're touching the water that is connected to all the continents of the world. When you do use a divination system, whether you're using ours or anyone else's, you are plugging into the, what you want to, whatever you want to call it, the Akashic record, um, uh, the, the library of the universe. Yeah, um, yeah. All that is, you're you're in there, and you know, if you want to get back to science and quantum physics, they have proved beyond a doubt that matter is conscious and that it knows when it's being watched. And, you know, everyone talks about, well, light can be a particle or light can be a wave. Well, you know what? 
determines it is whether it's being observed or not. And, and the, you know, the dual slit experiment, which is one of the most basic of, of quantum physics, shows that white light can be a particle or a wave depending on whether it's observed. And, and so if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, it falls differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I interviewed Irvin Laszlo two weeks ago, and I, I do commend that interview to all our listeners, if you haven't heard it yet. And he was talking about his new book, which is Birth of the Akashic, uh, the Akasha Paradigm. Mm. And he was bringing in all of the science, and, and coincidentally at that time, um, the Hadron Collider in Switzerland yes. at, at CERN had just announced finding the Higgs boson, which was um, a really interesting um, concept where he's saying that this quantum of energy goes through the quantum field and kind of picks up information a bit like a snowball going downhill. It just kind of gloms onto it. And this is um, so in line with what I've been hearing from other people I've been interviewing about how everything starts with consciousness. Consciousness is the irreducible minimum, and that is what you are using. You're facilitating anybody who you know kind of peripherally is interested to exercise their own consciousness it's just fantastic so now let's talk about your book well quantum affirmations is just like our other books because um astrology and tarot and all these things are wonderful and psychic ability is wonderful but if it doesn't impact your life on a real practical money time saving uh, um, better relationships level, who cares? And because most people are too busy and dealing with the realities of life to worry about this, the, the Hadron Collider and all the other things and gluons and quarks and mesoquarks and, you know, leptons and all these subatomic particles. And, and I realized that if quantum physics is all about subatomic particles and because quantum physicists really do not want to be associated with anything bigger than subatomic particles. (laughs) And I thought to myself, well, here we go. Uh, What is thought? What is consciousness? I don't know exactly what it is, but it sure is small, I'll bet. Either that or it's the biggest thing in the world. And so I tried thinking about consciousness and quantum physics in a way that how could someone change their life using the scientific techniques that have been proven uh, you know, I mean, Einstein was a quantum physicist. He's one of the first. He didn't like it. Uh, but one of the things that, that he really didn't like was called quantum entanglement, which is then two particles interact. They then become quantum entangled. And you can take them to opposite sides of the universe, spin one one direction, the other one will spin the exact same direction. And this is, don't ask me how they proved it because they're crazy, but, but they did. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, quantum physics is talking about quantum tunneling, which you were just describing. The Higgs boson does quantum tunneling through any kind of barrier and picks up things along the way. And, and quantum entanglement and, and all these things, and, but probable futures. So there's probable futures. How do we plant our flag in the probable future we want to get to? Because there's a lot of them <laughs> implied in any second. So... 
I, I thought to myself, well, consciousness. Consciousness is the subatomic particle. So you quantum entangle your consciousness now with the your consciousness in the probable future you want to get to because it's possible. And I found that not only is this uh, does it work, it's something I've done my whole life and didn't realize I've done my whole life. Huh. Do you think that luck or karma play a role in all of this? I, I think it might, certainly might. Um, I certainly think I'm lucky. Uh, you know, growing up in Brooklyn in the gang war years and... and um, Living you know, to I tell about it. Exactly. I could, I could, and then through the 60s and the 70s in New York, and, you know, I could certainly be on the other side. Um, and I'm so lucky. I, I've been with Amy since 1975. We've been living together, married since 1978, and we're very, very happy. Um, so how much luckier can you get? I do work that I like. I get paid for it. Uh, I help people. I have the love of my life. And I could die tomorrow and be fulfilled. So I thought to myself, well, why me? You know, I, I'm the child of a police sergeant father and a mentally ill mother who was hospitalized in shock treatments. And it was a very sad childhood. How did I get here? And I realized that I would do these quantum affirmations is what I call them. That's what came to me. I do these quantum affirmations where I'd visualize the future I wanted to get to, but I would see it with all the bad things because I had grown up in such a, uh, you know, I did not grow up in Candyland. And mm -hmm. so my quantum affirmations technique ended up answering my other questions, which was why do affirmations only work sometimes and why don't people keep doing them? And, and I found that people would do affirmations and, you know, they'd say the classic uh, Catherine Ponder one, which is every day in every way I'm getting better and better, or Louise Hay, who was a personal friend and I, I love, and this is great stuff. But me, as this kid from Brooklyn, I know every day in every way I'm not getting better. <laughs> There's a part of me that's getting older and older and, you know, crotchetier and crotchetier, you know, and I can't run as far as, you know, so it's, it's like I want to, I think coming from Brooklyn and I'm, my new book that I'm working on now is called The Dow of Brooklyn. It's all about being honest and being tough and being strong and... I wanted quantum affirmations to work. I wanted people to do them and get to the future they wanted to get to. And so I found that they have to uh, see the future that they want, warts and all. That's what I've done, and that's why I've been so lucky. Because I would, you know, I did not think that, first of all, I don't think I ever really visualized my soulmate, but yet I've created my soulmate. And I think one of the reasons is I'm willing to deal with all that comes with it. You know, you, you can't be... A, uh, you're the same person you are with your soulmate as you are without. Do you know what I mean? I mean, people people say they want stuff, but they don't really. And that was that was the first rule of quantum affirmations: is what do you want? That's the question I ask my psychic clients. So we can we can even do a reading if you want. I mean, it it's, it works all the time. That's the great thing about quantum affirmations. Yeah. Well, I was very impressed with the case studies that you gave in the book because you. you you kind of combine the sensitivity of a therapist with the uh, direction of a, a psychic. So it was a, a beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Thing. I love that. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I am so conscious of how hard life is for all of us. I think it was Plato who said, be kind to everyone you meet because everyone has a, a, you know, everyone's going through a private hard time. I'm paraphrasing Plato, of course. But 
It's true. Everyone is dealing with loss and fear about the future. And this is my problem. And this is the explanation of why affirmations sometimes don't work for people because they've been told you have to see things as positive. Oh, yeah, you got to see things as positive. So if you see things as negative, you're obviously doing it wrong. Well, guess what? You're not. If you, if you say, I want to win the lottery, and you don't see relatives and strangers coming out of the woodwork trying to borrow money from you, you're not seeing it clearly. If you do see that, you are seeing it clearly, but it doesn't sound positive, and everybody is worried about negative things. Well, guess what? That comes with the territory. <laughs> you know, where did that expression come with? Because, you know, you, you get the territory, you go out, you homestead, and the people that used to live there, the Native Americans, they want it back, and the animals are not exactly happy about you being there either. And if you don't see everything reality-based, your subconscious says, well, I don't know. I don't think he's ready for it. I, I don't think I'm going to leave him there. <laughs> because, But if you say, you know, it's like, I want my soulmate, and guess what? My soulmate doesn't like my pet, or I don't like my soulmate's relatives, or my soulmate has a brother that's really a pain in the butt. You know, you see stuff like that, and whether it's true or not, but your subconscious says, oh, look, he's seeing it, she's seeing it and so no matter what happens this is a strong person I am not. I don't think your subconscious is going to lead you into the fire I, I, I always think your subconscious is there to help you I, I don't take an adversarial view of my soul so I'm, I'm trying to be on as good terms as I can be with all sides of myself including my shadow side hmm. okay you've, you've um broken down the process, your technique, into five steps. So I'd like to take them one at a time. Okay. And you you said that the first step was to define or identify your goal. Yes. And that is such a big hurdle for, well, speaking personally. Yes, um, me too. I'm still trying to decide what I'm going to be when I grow up. (laughs) Love it. Well, then that's not the question. See, that's the the, the whole process of the of the first uh, the first step, which is what do you want to know? You wouldn't believe it. I mean, I have people that are paying me five hundred dollars, and I said to them, "What do you want to know?" And they're like, "Well, just read me." I was like, "I don't work that way. Mm-hmm. I want to know what you want to know because then I will plug in and tell you the answer to your question. What would you ask the universe? What would you ask your future?" What would you ask this probable future in quantum physics? So some people say they want to meet their soulmate, and yet all these years they haven't. And usually the reason is they don't want somebody coming into their life and messing it up. Mm -hmm. And so what they really want is how can I feel good about myself even though I'm alone? And Uh that is a different question and a different answer and a different process to attain. So that's why identifying your goal is so important. Right, right. Okay, and the second step is to look with a very, very clear eye at your history with that goal. Yes, why haven't you gotten it? And once again, I'm talking about becoming friends with yourself. And this is, a, I think, is probably the most magical part of quantum affirmations. When we did um, the One Spirit edition, because it was a main selection for One Spirit book club, uh, we did a DVD with it. Everyone, all the four people whose case studies you you read about, including people who were fit, and everyone who did the video, including the editor, the camera people, everyone lost weight, including me and Amy. (laughs) And it's because quantum affirmations is all about making 
friends with yourself. And when you make friends with yourself, you stop doing the crazy things that you do for crazy reasons. Every, you know, overeating or eating when you're not hungry or whatever. Everyone, there's as many reasons as there are people. But when you make friends with yourself, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I was just about to do that crazy thing. But isn't that crazy? Ha, ha, ha. And, and so you, you sort of, you're as nice to yourself as you would be to a, to a stranger who would tell you the same exact thing. We're so much nicer to strangers, or at least the new age nice people are. You know, the, con- the, the, the conscious, the new consciousness people are. You know, we, we castigate ourselves for things that we would ex- not necessarily accept, but that we would just say, oh, don't worry about that to someone else. But for us, we got to worry about it because we're perfect. And that's, that's completely irrational when you get into the quantum affirmation. So the second thing is, why didn't you get what you, you didn't get? Um, in the tarot, there, the next to the last position of the Celtic cross is called the hope or the fear. And I always wondered why the hope or the fear until one day I realized what you only hope for, you don't have. The reason you don't have it, you're afraid of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a continuum, isn't it? Yes, exactly. And and plugging into the continuum and, in other words, when you plug into the continuum and it's all wave-based, particle or, or wave-based, you have to accept the peaks and the troughs of the waves. That's what I'm asking people to do is to accept the continuum and accept the spectrum because... Just because it's not visible doesn't mean it's not real. And the, the light spectrum is the clearest example of that. Okay, so you're trying to get people to do the work and to get fully grounded. And then you go on to the step number three, which is to look at your own gifts. Tell us yes. about that. Well, once again, in keeping with becoming friends with yourself, because becoming friends with yourself and uh, gives you tremendous power, because we all have this tremendous power. You know, there's that saying that Marianne Williamson came up with that I think is always usually attributed to Nelson Mandela, but um, I think Marianne said about how we're all so afraid that we're weak, but actually what it is is we're afraid that we're so strong and so wonderful. And so when you... Identify your gift, and it could be parenting, it could be cooking, it can be, I'm a snappy Jaressa, it can be anything that you're good at, something that comes to you effortlessly and endlessly. Now, there's something you're not afraid of. There's something where you're accepting the troughs and the peaks of it. And so then that brings you to the fourth step, which is blending your gift with your goal. The goal is the thing that you're afraid of. That's the thing you don't have. And so you, every time you parent or you visualize yourself parenting well or whatever it is that is your gift, what flows to you effortlessly and endlessly, you see as a result of manifesting your gift the attainment of your goal. And once it calms you down, and it's a great visualization, and, and you don't have to worry at this point about the negatives involved. It's just to see what you're really good at and to blend that nice easy, harmonious feeling with the attainment of your goal. Because on the fifth step, we get to the, uh, you got to take it warts and all, right? So th- this is... Um, the fourth step. The fourth step, entanglement. Yes. Um, it reminds me a bit of uh, Esther Hicks, you know, the Abraham oh, sure. material. Sure. Where she's talking about uh, putting a positive emotion, attaching a positive emotion to that which you want, and and 
so what you're saying is actually a, a really easy way of visualizing it. You think of something that you're good at. Yes. And then you kind of bolt it on to um, your your desire. Yes, trying to take some of the edge off, you know, because everyone has so much judgment about what they don't have. It, and believe me, I understand how it is. This is a very hard time in the world's history. There's a lot of people losing their homes and their jobs, and and how are they going to put food on the table for their children or themselves? And the sandwich generation between the. You know, there's so much stuff going on and giving yourself a little oasis by blending your gift with your goal um, once again puts you into being yourself and I felt I feel like it that's more like being a Zen person and they usually are pretty good at manifesting at, at the very least peace which is what they're looking for so by blending your gift with your goal, you put yourself in a much better position to then go on and become a clear transmitter for the next step, which is doing what I call a quantum plation. Forgive the word play, but... <laughs> I, that was very sweet. I forgive you. It, it was actually rather appealing. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because when I... I it, it hit me, quantum plation, because I'm always trying to have fun with what I do because I know if people don't have fun with what I write or, or what I create they're going to turn off because this it's the nature of the culture right now. People need to have some fun because we're all working so hard. So contemplation, I looked up the word contemplation, and it has T-E-M-P, which is like in temple. And it turns out contemplation comes from the root word that from the Roman times was the setting up of a space, a sacred space, though I don't, I believe all spaces are sacred, but but setting up a space where you could do an augury, which is how they used to predict the future back in Roman times, which is a totally a mess, but, and I'm not into it at all. But, but once again, it was, it's all about predicting your future. So quantumplation and my quantum affirmations are about predicting your future, but giving yourself the scientific assist, the, the booster rockets, that is actually going to get you to that future. So this is really working on two levels. It's working I would say on the psychological level, in that you're giving yourself a psychological boost and, and a breathing space, as you said, of feeling yes. good. But you go on and say that this is actually working on the quantum level. Yes, because uh, the, on the quantum level, there's a probable future that is the future that you want, but it has a lot of negatives about it. That's um, just the nature of reality. So. If you can clearly see the future that you want, and I'm not saying you're going to visualize exactly what you want or exactly how it's going to happen, but if you want your soulmate, see your soulmate and realize, you know, I don't really like the shoes. In, in, you know, but you can work with that. And to know that you can work with your soulmate and that the process of getting to know your soulmate is going to involve the, hi, I'm Monty, and this is who I am, this is what I did, how are you? You know, and So many people are so turned on off by the whole dating scene and the whole getting to know you kind of thing. But these are the things that come with the territory. So you have to see, you, you don't just see yourself getting at the altar getting married, which is where so many people just, they zip right to it. You see the process. Don't, you know, and, and, and the joke is the realer it can be in your mind, the realer it can be in your life. Mm-hmm. So what would be an example of a quantum plation? Well, uh, 
you talked before about my shelves. That's actually a contemplation that we did before we actually, um, before I actually realized what I'd done. Amy and I one day realized, you know what would be great? We need to have our own shelves at every Barnes & Noble store. And we made little shelf talkers, and we did all this stuff, and we talked with agents. And basically everyone told us, you're crazy, that's impossible. Um, you know, even people who work with Barnes & Noble. And yet two, two years later, we had our own shelves, and we've had our own shelves in the spirituality section of every Barnes & Noble for, for the last five, six years. And that would cost somebody else like $10,000 a month. But, but we, we visualized it. We realized that it would be problematic, that we'd always be... And this is another thing. When you visualize your soulmate, realize you're going to always worry about losing your soulmate. It's like we just went through a freak out about my cat's health and he was like a rag doll. You know, it's, in a way, it's a dress rehearsal for losing him. When you, have, when you see your soulmate, know it's not going to be 100% sweetness and light. You're going to... A, you're going to have disagreements, you're going to have arguments, and you're going to worry about losing each other. And one day you are going to lose each other unless you go together, which is what Amy and I always wish for. So it's all about being real. It's all about this is life. Uh, it's not easy. It's not, but life is not easy, and yet at the same time it's beautiful. You, you know exactly what I mean because you know I, I, what, what you do with the New Consciousness Review. I mean, it, it's, it's all about reality, right? Mm. (laughs) there's no getting around (laughs) i have just been through hell absolute hell for the last three days i i can understand i I can understand i i i thought i was losing my cat and it was like losing a child so i understand and people are going through this all the time which is why you should never get mad at people in traffic because they might be suffering with something Mm -hmm. or on their way to the hospital or or there's so much, and, and I'm not telling everyone that everyone has to all of a sudden think about everybody's suffering, but at the very same time, you got to cut people slack because we are all in this together, the ones who are, in the, who are living. It's like an exclusive club. What do you think is the biggest obstacle in your experience dealing with people that uh, people put up, you know, this barrier that they create? Uh, to getting a fulfilled life. Well, I once asked Amy in one of my freakouts, I said, what do you think is the common denominator of all human-caused suffering? And without hesitating, because she's a genius, she said, poor decision-making. I think that's really what it comes down to. People are mad about their, the decisions that they've made that haven't worked out. They're scared about the ones they have to make. And and then, of course, there's dealing with the things that you have no control over at all, which is that's so much stuff. Um, it's not easy to live, which is why I, I did quantum affirmations. I, I'm trying to give people a little bit of an edge, you know? It's like having the house's edge in a gambling casino. <laughs> I, they make all that money, and I think their edge is like, what, 6%? You know, in terms of, of uh, the edge that they have by being the house. Quanta, what you say about physics and CERN, that, that is so happy. It's such a happy time in that sense. That they, but if they actually found the, um, the, the, the secret to life, I don't think they, they'd share it with people. So I'm sharing it ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. So the secret to life is making better decisions? 
It seems to be a big part of it. Um, well, I don't I, think people set out to make bad decisions. They, they, they think it's a good idea at the time. That is without question 100% true. But um, as we all know, there's lots of people that shouldn't have been parents. There's lots of people that shouldn't have bought a house. There's lots of people that are not thinking about how their actions affect other people. So um, I'm not saying that it's the be-all and the end-all problem, but so we're all – damaged is the wrong word because it's, it's everyone, so you can't say damaged. It, I guess we're all wabi-sabi like uh, Ariel Ford's book about relationships. Wabi-sabi is the Japanese concept of having a vase in your house that has a crack in it because life has a crack in it. You know, it's like you don't just throw everything out because it's per not perfect. Relationships are not perfect. Um, I, she, I saw her speak at the International New Age Trade Show, and she was talking about scientific research that showed that every great relationship has 10 things that will never be resolved. I thought, well, that's wonderful. Um, we're doing pretty good because I think we have less than 10. But there are things, <laughs> <laughs> there are things that just, you know, in, in a straw. And, you know, what I love is seeing how the different disciplines – uh, sort of mirror the same statement. In astrology, which is really a psychological language, um, there's the concept of Chiron, which is the wounded healer. He, Chiron in mythology was the teacher of Achilles, and he had a wound that never healed. And these, that's wabi-sabi. When, when you're around 50 and Chiron comes back to where it was on the day you were born, you realize, you know, those things that I've been working on my whole life that I said I'm going to fix one day, uh, I'm not going to fix those things. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be that that's gonna that stupid part of me. It's coming with me <laughs> right to the right to the grave, you know? along with along with those thirty pounds. Exactly, exactly. And every crazy thing that we do makes sense to some part of us. That's I, so. What I'm not saying. I'm not making excuses for people. I'm just saying that it's real. It's it's not an excuse to say that something to describe reality is not an excuse. It's it's a scientific. Uh, way of of examining something it's if you don't say what do i want to know how can you get even elvis costello had that song you can't get what you want until you know what you want mm -hmm. so yeah yeah and that that's a that's a difficult one yeah so as an astrologer uh yes. do you have any sense of where these times are leading us Oy. <laughs> well there's a lot that's right now good, huh? <laughs> Well, you know, um, I could certainly, let's see, where is things? I don't like to think about it that much, but, but I can certainly start it up. That, um, well, like right now, Jupiter's in Gemini, um, as, as I recall. So wherever Jupiter is, is where the good stuff is. So there's a lot of duality. Right now, Mercury is in retrograde as, uh, as of today, which is 7-18-2012. And Mercury is retrograde in Leo. And I am finding that Mercury... That's the reason. Yes. Yeah, Mercury retrograde. It doesn't mean you should, you know, stop living. The thing with astrology, is, astrology is like the spice of life to me. And um, just the way tarot is the first search engine. It's like the original Google. But but astrology is, is a psychological language. It doesn't say don't do it. It just says be careful because Mercury in retrograde means communications will be even more messed up than normal. You normally, have no idea. My yeah. website has just start, been spitting out tens of thousands of emails to irate clients. Oh, even so you, after we took it offline, and it. So I, you I, got you got hacked. 
I don't know. We 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 haven't gotten down to the bottom of it. I well, feel like good. I feel like Mickey Mouse and the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Every oh. time we smash one thing, it pops up somewhere else. Yeah, I know there was a thing where where and I'm Leo. Uh, where, where, where the, oh, and you're a Leo, so there you go. The, I know there was a, a virus that created uh, zombie computers that were used to send out spam. I know that was a big issue, uh, uh, and it was supposed to come to fruition recently. I think the FBI had set up a, a website that you could check to see if you were infected. So perhaps your, your servers actually were, were infected. That's uh, interesting. Yeah, because they, they, these people... I have no idea why someone thinks it's a great idea to send out spam or any of the other crazy stuff that people do now. Um, the, I believe in karma because karma is another manifestation of the quantum field. If you're connected to the quantum field and the, and the quantum or the morphic field, as Rupert Sheldrake says, is consciousness, it's conscious. Do you think it's going to take that line down? I don't want to be around when the spammers get their, their karma. You know, I don't want to be standing near them. Because they, they will not be happy. All right, so let me see where everything is right now. New chart. I'll just put it, okay. Uh, where's my chart? I'll be the typical egotistical person and just look at my chart and, and just say uh, anything. Me. Just me. That's enough. Okay. So what? Because astrology is very, very powerful. Um, I, I just did a reading for a young man who had tremendous problems. I, I was friends with his, his mother, and I came to a party at their house, and he, she was saying, oh, my God, I don't know what's going on with him because he's all upset and he doesn't know what to do with his life. I looked at his chart. His jaw dropped, and I, and I ended up having to read a lot of people, but... He was like, how do you know me so well without knowing me? And, of course, someone like the amazing Randy would say that it's all cold readings or it's all suggestion. But I, I am all about specifics. Okay, well, right now, the south node of the moon, which is where the moon passes the ecliptic, which is the equator projected out into space, is conjunct exactly to Jupiter. So there is going to be a lot of karma today in terms of communications, um, and today is a great day to clean out karma. I, fi I find that this Mercury retrograde is producing startling revelations that are upsetting yet set the stage for healing if the revelations can be accepted dispassionately. So, uh -huh. yeah, exactly. The, the, the science shows that when a, uh, when a particle is charged, it can't pass through things. But they have these, uh, these neutrally charged things. They can pass through anything. So that's so when you get excited or uh, passionate about something, you then become a force. But if you can stay zen and dispassionate, uh, you can pass through things and get get some stuff done. See, Uranus is in Aries, so that's always problematic because Aries is all about martial things, and Uranus is explosions and keeping things new. Um, and then you have the wounded healer we talked about, Chiron, which is next to Neptune. So it's an idealization of our weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that, 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 yeah. yeah, it's all about really, keywords. That relates to really everything you've been talking about. It it just kind of wraps it all up. We're we're all trying to do our best at a difficult time. Yes, yes, it's true. And and you got to cut people slack. And you got to cut yourself slack. It's it's so true. I mean, it's that's what I love about the Dalai Lama. It's all about compassion. Indeed.
indeed. I, I think compassion is the most important characteristic that we need to develop in ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. So tell us again, Monty, how people find out more about you. Well, they can visit Monty with an E, Monty Farber, F-A-R-B-E-R dot com. Or they can, uh, you learn just as much by learning about my wife, which is Amy Zerner, Z-E-R-N-E-R dot com. And then we also have TheEnchantedWorld.com. Uh, I have a Twitter presence, which is Ask Monty with an E. And um, we have a Facebook presence, which is The Enchanted World. And you can get our books at every Barnes & Noble store or online, or please ask your... Lo I'd rather local bookstores sold it, but they don't always. So um, whatever's easiest for you. And and uh, I'm out here trying to be compassionate and help everybody create the future they want to see. And you also do private readings, don't you? I do. And they can schedule those through my montyfarber.com website. And you can see the videos of that I did for two years on... Jim Cramer's website until somebody figured out that there was a psychic doing readings. That is so funny. That's that so funny. It is. It really, it was a lot of fun. Well, you know, after I did the six out of seven right for, for them as a, when they were joking around about it, they said, well, would you do some more? So they came back and eventually they were coming back with a long list and they would give me stocks and, and, and just symbols. I didn't even know what stock I was talking about. <laughs> And I was helping people make a lot of money. I got people into Apple at 65, so I have a lot of happy clients. I'll bet you do. Well, college on that one. <laughs> well, we've been speaking with Monty Farber uh, about his delightful book, Quantum Affirmations, his delightful and useful book, which you'll be able to find on our website as well. So, Monty, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Miriam. It's, you, you ask the best questions. <laughs> Goodbye, dear. Bye. And if you want an easy way to listen to the podcasts of all of our shows, you can now download our mobile app to your iPhone or Android. As a bonus, it has two other tabs where you can keep up with the latest book reviews and videos on our site. You'll find the link on our website at ncreview.com where you can scan the code right to your phone. I hope you'll join us next week when our guest will be Christine Stevens, whose book, Music, Medicine, The Science and Spirit of Healing Yourself with Sound, is coming out shortly. And now it's time for our track of the week with music selected by Scott Johnson from among members of the Positive Music Association. With styles ranging from pop and rock to folk and jazz, this growing group of musicians are using music not only to entertain, but to make a positive difference in people's lives and in the world. This week we're featuring What Would Love Do Now by Esther Nicholson.
Would Love Do Now by Esther Nicholson. Esther is an author, a motivational speaker, and inspirational recording artist. And for the past 17 years, she has studied under Michael Beckwith, the founder of Agape International, and is a licensed spiritual therapist. You can learn more about Esther on her website, estherNicholson.com. That's E-S-T-E-R-N-I-C-H-O-L-S-O-N.com. To discover more great music or to join the PMA, go to PositiveMusicAssociation.com. Remember to check out our website at ncreview.com. It's a terrific resource for these changing times. And please tell your friends. Well, that wraps it up for today. So until next week, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.